This week's shout-out goes out to Super Midnight Rufus Carter of Brooklyn, New York. Damn right. Thanks for your imaginary donation, pal. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the iPad, iPad, iPad show, where we talk nothing about iPad for the next hour and a half. iPad! In this issue, iPad, 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 and iPad, plus iPad with iPad and iPad. Also, hey, dude, I heard you like iPad, so I put iPad on your iPad so you can iPad with your iPad. As the great philosopher John Caravella was once heard to remark, Booger! The Major Spoilers Podcast is on the iPad! Hey everyone, welcome to another exciting issue of the Major Spoilers Podcast, which, yes indeed, you can listen to the iPad. 250,000 times? No, only 191 episodes, but we only started doing doing about the issues about uh, 100 episodes ago. Yeah, like issue 10, I believe, is when we started that. So, hey, everybody, welcome to the show. We're so glad that you're here, whether you're listening on an iPod, an iPad, or your mobile device, or your computer, wherever you may be, around the world or under the sea. We are so glad that you're here with us this week. We're going to be talking about the sea. <laughs> We're going to be talking Where about the, the uh, life and times of Scrooge McDuck later in the show. But before we get to that, uh, here is a roundup of news that we have for you. We're going to go and talk about uh, in depth a little bit on one of these. We've got <laughs> Hey, first one there, Rodrigo, the iPad mm-hmm. and comics. We've got All-Star Batman and Robin returns. Greg Rucka leaves DC Comics. Or DC shows off plans for Brightest Day. Let's spin that Wheel of Destiny and I, hmm, iPad, I mean, I wonder where it just might fall. iPad, 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 iPad. Oh, it landed on number three. Greg iPad leaves iPad Comics. I mean, Greg Rucka leaves DC Comics. So it was kind of a big news during the Greg Rucka spotlight panel at WonderCon this past weekend in San Francisco where Greg Rucka basically said, hey, I'm leaving DC Comics. I'm no longer going to write for the company, which means I'm no longer going to be writing uh, Batwoman in in Detective Comics. Mm -hmm. No! (laughs) And that, of course, set a lot of people off. Got the whole Intard Web's uh, Twittering and reporting. And then over... You know what I heard? What did you hear? I heard that Dan DiDio killed his yak. (laughs) Well, it's not quite that way. Uh, Greg Rucka over at his website said, So if you're a fan of my work in the field of comics, you've most likely heard the news that I'm no longer doing work for DC. I'm told that speculation is flying fast and furious as to why this is, and apparently even despite my on-the-record comments, it continues. No drama here, folks. It is as it appears. I'm stepping away from DC to pursue different opportunities. Nothing more nefarious than that. Nothing less sinister. Time is a commodity that is as precious to me as it is rare, and there's simply not enough of it. Essentially, Rucka wants to go on and continue his own works, his own uh, mm-hmm. private works that he's been doing, creator-owned works that he's been doing, and maybe some work for some other companies. So mm-hmm. it's no, doesn't look like there's any harm, any foul. Doesn't look like anyone's having a big snit over anything like uh, what happened with what was it, Robin, uh, last year? Mm-hmm. Um, 
who was the writer on that, Matthew? Do you remember who left? Um, a guy. Yeah, it was a guy that left, and I forget it was and another another dude. Yeah, it was essentially. Was it Adam Beechin? It wasn't Adam Beechin. No, was I would, maybe I'm thinking of. Um, oh well, doesn't matter. You guys can look it up over the Majorspoilers.com website. Hey, take a drink. Um, so what do you guys think, Matthew? You seem to be most upset over the news that Greg Rucka is leaving DC Comics, and more importantly, leaving um, Batwoman and Detective Comics. I think I'm more upset that we're not going to get to see the end as he would have written it of Batwoman's origin. Because uh, for those of you who are reading Detective Comics, you'll know that that story just sort of stopped. And now we're being back enfolded into the whole search for Bruce Wayne. Because it's important that everyone who was a founding member of the Justice League be returned to life and be absolutely unassailable so that these people can show us how to really be heroes over and over again has the search for bruce wayne already started oh yeah tim drake's been looking for him for a while yeah i mean we know that but i didn't you were probably confused because you think his name is tim wayne (laughs) Uh, it is because he's been adopted so you know what i I was adopted too but you don't hear me going by my full name so i Paco juan javier jose luis garcia lopez ramone goldberg you don't hear me saying that hi i'm matthew paco juan javier jose luis garcia ramone goldberg every week you know why because my name is Tim Drake. Well, <laughs> see, then you need to be introducing yourself as Tim Drake. The thing is that a, a lot of people Drake. are thinking, oh, no, Greg Rucka not writing Batwoman. That means it's the end of Batwoman. We're not going to see any more Batwoman. Oh, no, yes. what about Batwoman? But it was either Jim Lee or Dan DiDio. No, no, it was Jeff Johns. I'm sorry. I'm trying to find the story on the source. Jeff Johns says, hey, Batwoman's not being shelved. We still have plans for her. Don't worry. Chill it's natural when a character has been written by one person to presume that that person somehow has dominion over him or her. But right. in the comic book world, you know, it hasn't been that way for a long time. Back at Marvel in the day, there was a rule like when uh, Steve Englehart used the Beast in Avengers. He did that because he was the last guy to write the Beast. And technically, the Beast was, air quote, wow. his character. So, I mean, it's it's not like that anymore. And I think it's, you know, it's corporate synergy and corporate realities being what it is. We will see the rest of Batwoman's origin, but we won't see what Rucka would have done with it. And, and I think what, that's what upsets me. What if Rucka left extensive notes? What or We don't really even know how far ahead he's worked on the uh, You know what? Supposedly, J. Mike Straczynski left behind the ending of The Twelve when he exited Marvel. And mm-hmm. yet I'm still working on 18 months without an issue on this thing. So uh, Okay. Rodrigo, what do you think? Do you care? I mean, Greg Rucka is the person behind uh, Gotham City PD. Yeah, he's pretty good. Gotham um, Central. Honestly, this is kind of exciting news in that, um, you know, uh, uh, Mike Mignola's work for uh, in Gotham by Gaslight was pretty spectacular. Right. Right. So now we might get to see what does Rucka do with his own characters, with his own um ideas if mm-hmm. he's working on creator own projects so this right you know for those of you who are liking the way that he's writing batwoman this might be something to be leery about it's it's worrisome when another writer takes over a project yeah um but now you might get to see what he does without the restraint of oh by the way you have to tag this onto infinite crisis 52 and whatever else comes down the yeah plate. yeah now you have to make this a brightest day exactly i guess it, i guess it it's um Go back and correct myself. It's senior story editor Ian uh, Sattler that said we have plans for for Batwoman. So, uh, yeah, and the other, I believe the other one is Ian Waldorf. And I think that that most people are upset. And why this freaks so many people out is because 
I think it was just a week or two before that um, Detective Comics had won a GLAD award for uh, Batwoman's portrayal mm-hmm. as, a, as a gay and lesbian character uh, in the series. And, and so I think a lot of people are like, well, we've got something special here. Now what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. So I think that's why a lot of people are upset. But hey, I wish uh, Rekka all the best. I'm sure at some point in the future, if he desires to come back to DC, they would welcome him back with open arms. And there doesn't appear no to reason be any, why he can't freelance for them too. I mean, that's true. In this in this day of exclusive contracts, it's easy to say, "Well, my exclusive is over," and then think, you know, I'll never work for Marvel or DC again. But it's not really that way. Brother one twenty nine says, "If J.H. Williams keeps drawing Batwoman." Somehow I can get over Rucka's departure, but it will be a huge loss. Hmm. What if Rucka and J.H. Williams left, <gasps> Detective Matthew? Would you continue to read the story? Then I would never read Iron Fist again. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> but the only reason to read any book is because you love the creators. Rawr, rawr. No, wait. Um, I All might right. read it. All right, I did. I will say this. I dropped Detective Comics from my pull list on the first issue that... J.H. Williams left, not because J.H. Williams left, but because I am not interested in this whole return of Bruce Wayne demagoguery. Yeah. Oh, you're done. (laughs) That was very quick. Sorry. Sorry. I thought you were getting ready to come up with something there. Was I? I don't know. Any other thoughts from anybody? Greg Rucka leaving DC Greg Rucka, Greg Rucka, no. You know what's fun iPad? though? You can say you can say Rucka as though you're playing Pac-Man on the old rucka, Nintendo. Rucka 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 If you want to comment on this story or any other news stories that we have over at the Majorspoilers.com website, all you have to do is point your browser to Majorspoilers.com, scroll Drink. down to the end of the uh, article, and click on that little comment section and comment away. If it is the first time that you're visiting the Major Spoiler site, I should point what's out what's wrong with you. Well, that is one thing, but I should also point out that uh, your comments are held in moderation at least until we can get around to approve it to make sure mm-hmm. that you're following the rules and you're not being a dick or whatever. Or a, or a robot that or is a robot to sell that, us Viagra. Or, yes. or a robot dick. Yes, oh my God. You know, there's a website about that right. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it should also be noted. Oh, Steven. Anyway, <laughs> anyway. Hey, there's a lot of other things over at the Major Spoilers website besides uh, just our news stories. We've got reviews that are going up. We've got Matthew and I's uh, dueling review over Blackest Night number mm-hmm. eight that you might want to check out. I think that's probably the first time that you and I have a had a huge gap between our reviews and our thoughts on that series, we, Matthew. We generally do, and I think it's because of, I don't want to say limitation, but a lot of times we have to choose something that's already in your pull list because of the way you buy your comics out there right. on the planes. Right. And usually, if it's on your pull list, it's on my pull list, too. Yeah. So. Yep. Also, this weekend is the most obscure hero history I have ever done, and I've done one of Jimmy Olsen as a superhero, folks, so you may want to head up and check it out. Yep, that'll be up on this weekend, usually around midnight on Sunday, depending on where you live. Yep. Also, It I was should... up this last Saturday. Oh, this last Saturday. Okay. You're talking about the um, Aqua... Undersea Agent. Uh, yeah, Undersea Agent. What'd you say? What'd you call him? <laughs> Isn't it Undersea Agent uh, Super Spy? It's Undersea Agent. I'm just listening to Rodrigo in the background going, Aqua who? I think that was when you said that. My name is Rodrigo. Oh, well then. Also, I should point out. My name is Steven. I should also point out we've got a really good ongoing series called Comics Casting Couch written by our own own Stacey B, where he goes in and picks a character, goes ahead and picks a series and says, what if 
They made a movie of this. Who would we cast in it? What would the story be? You might want to check it out. The latest one is The Spectre, and it's not The Spectre that you might be thinking of. Uh, so you should go check that out as well. It's Congressman Arlen Spectre. <laughs> no! It's uh, actually music producer Phil Spectre. <laughs> even scarier. <laughs> uh, Rodrigo is also into gaming. Most of you know that if you've been listening to the show for the long t- a long time. He's got a really cool top 10 that came out last week called the Top 10 One Drops in Magic the Gathering. Mm-hmm. And now that I read it, I kind of wish I had my cards back because I think I could kick your ass this Too time. late. Yeah, I know. Oh, well. I, I wonder what a One Drop is. Rodrigo? Oh, a one drop is a usually a creature that drops for one mana. Oh. There you go. But it's also very powerful. You go on your turn, play a forest, tap it, land of war elves. That's a one drop. Excellent. All right, everybody. Oh, I used to do that with unicorns. Mm-hmm. Stick around. I had a white weenie deck with lightning. We will be right back after this. How to get a major spoilers shout out. If you want to get a personalized shout out at the top of the show, all you have to do is the following steps. Number one, visit Majorspoilers.com. Two, click on the Make a Donation button. Three, donate $10 or more to the cause. Four, sit back and relax and hear Matthew butcher your name and say something cute about you. Major Spoilers, bringing the good stuff since 2006. Yes, 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 we are always... We, yes, we do, do, do like everybody who donates to the Major Spoilers experience. I can't believe we almost ran out of our bandwidth this month. Whoa. Already 10 days into the, well, seven days into the week, into the month, and we're already tapping out our bandwidth. Are you telling me that the interwebs are full? Well, our interwebs are full, so our costs People have gone up again to a each little other. bit. A little bit. I had to buffer us just a little bit for the rest of the month. Mm-hmm. Should be okay. But we appreciate every uh, donation that people send to us because it does help further the cause. Aaron Tubes Snell. are all full. People sending internets I to know, each other. It's not, a, it's not a big truck. It's a big long box. And the long box is full of comics on Majorspoilers.com. Aaron and a Snell. couple of the comics on the end are getting crushed. Aaron Snell says, hey, guys, my name is Trey. Oh, wait. Why did he say his name was Aaron Snell? Anyway, he says, my name is Trey. I'm 21 years old. I just wanted to say I've been listening to Critical Hit for months now. And uh, for those of you that don't know what Critical Hit is, it's our Dungeons & Dragons podcast. you got to check it out. Uh, he goes on to say, I'm, I got curious, so I downloaded and listened to Major Spoilers. I love them both. I'm now a fan of comic books, and I'm going to go to my local comic book store as soon as I can, buy, as soon as I can, I can to buy some. It's 30 minutes away from me. Anyway, on to my questions. What are some awesome new series that I should check out? Rodrigo, what's an awesome new series that he should check out? Um, I don't know. Rodrigo uh, don't read comics. I don't read comics. It depends what you're into. If you are getting your, uh, if you like your art and you like that that fancy new uh, like soft line art that that top cow and and a lot oh, of yeah, other companies yeah. are really into yeah. um that aladdin series is really cool oh like yeah it, it's, it's really mm-hmm. it's really well drawn it's called aladdin legacy of the lost it's really well drawn um the the storyline so far is is interesting because it gives you the jumping on point of starting out exactly like the story and then murdering half the cast so mm. that that at least has some some something interesting like something familiar to jump off of and then something interesting to go into okay Matthew, do you have any recommendations? 
Well, I'm looking forward to uh, Justice League Generation Lost. Oh, uh, yeah, that'll be really good if you're into that. Which is, yeah, it's going to be reuniting the uh, old school JLI team, supposedly. Uh, I'm still hoping for an end to uh, the 12. (laughs) Uh, Adventure comics got good and then kind of went weird. Um, Something that I am really excited about is uh, both of the new Green Hornet series from Dynamite. Yeah, they've got uh, two of them. One is the year one that Matthew and I have reviewed already on the uh, site. And then there is the uh, Kevin Smith Green Hornet, which is, I think, issue two just came out last week or is coming out. Issue two came out. There's actually a review as part of my last rapid fire review Ah, on Saturday. All right. Um, I'm also, strangely enough, having a, a soft spot for The Shield from DC, just in time for it to probably be canceled. <laughs> um, what else is interesting? I'm liking well, both uh, Irredeemable and Incorruptible. Well, that's what Boom I was going to suggest. If, check out both of those series from yeah, Boom those Studios. Those are still relatively early in the run, too, yeah. so you can usually find the back issue. They're and both for, under issue 12. And for Trey or and or Aaron Snell, whichever one you may be, We're you both. may not be into something like... Uh, what is it? The still the Justice League or whatever it is, um, because that references stuff that happened twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, How do we know that? We haven't read the book well, yet. Well, that's true too. Uh, or it may be so, referencing things that sh- happened sh- in Blackest Night. So <laughs> maybe Incorruptible and uh, Incorrigible and um, Mark Wade is evil might be something Invincible. to check out. Oh, and Invincible. Invincible is a pretty good series. You might, mm-hmm. if you're going to go back and get some trade paperbacks, I would highly recommend Invincible. Yeah, actually, Two things gonna... that I was surprised to love this weekend actually mm-hmm. uh, uh dynamite i've no idw actually is reprinting old doctor who uh, yes. black and white strips yes with color circa the sixth doctor yeah so if you like ugly coats i might uh, <laughs> recommend that mm. also and i want to put this formally forward as a trade paperback review tales from the bean world oh yeah i've, re- re- I've read some bean world trade. stuff yeah i bought my first bean world this last week actually one of the one of the rare books from the '80s that I never read, and there is a recent trade paperback release, I believe. I like to put that on our list and recommend it to anybody because the issue that I read of Tales of the Bean World was just enchanting. I mean, it was wonderful and freakish and weird and artistic and and fuzzy and way cool, Junior. I would uh, recommend some books from Image Comics now. If you've never read anything from Image Comics before, Image has something coming out brand new this week called Image Firsts, where they're reprinting some of the first issues of their series. This week they have Spawn number one, and they also have Chew number one. And Chew is a very popular series about a uh, guy who has to eat the body of the dead in order to solve mysteries. It's. Nice. Uh, I thought it was about Choo Choo Charlie, who's an engineer. No, 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 not quite that. The other one that I'm looking forward to, it's a brand new series out this, this uh, week. It's Turf number one. It's a four-issue, hard-boiled, noir crime thriller with guns, girls, fangs, and aliens. Nice. Vampires, aliens, all set in the 1920s and 30s. It should be quite interesting. That's turf number one from uh, Image Comics. And, of course, we've got some other things to talk about in our review segment. Mm -hmm. Also, WWE heroes. How far along is Rassel? That's seven issues. Seven it's issues. been it's been going on for two okay. years now. Nice. They they do have a um, a hardback of the first I think four issues. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to bet that if you ask your comic mm-hmm. book store wherever you go, they probably will have the individual some issues. of them in the back issue bins. I don't know. It's an excellent. I can't story, hear so. that without hearing that Daffy Duck cartoon. Hey Chloe, let's you and me wrestle. Yeah, let's talk about some reviews that we have done uh, for this uh, past week over new titles or old titles or titles that are just about to come out. Mm-hmm. 
I, of course, am going to talk about the iPad. No, just kidding. <laughs> I'm going to sign off the Skype. <laughs> Rodrigo, call me back when he's done. Dynamite Entertainment this week has uh, the Lone okay. Ranger number 21 out. This is part five of an ongoing series where uh, Cavendish, who's the evil guy, really kind of goes all crazy on the Lone Ranger. I think it's his sister. Is that who, who she is, Matthew? I forget who, uh, who the woman is in this. Um, oh, series. I haven't been reading The Lone Ranger in a while. I'm sorry. Well, it's it's uh, I think it's his sister, cousin, something, and her son. But The Lone Ranger, Tonto, and Doc are all going to go take care of business. And instead of going after The Lone Ranger, Cavendish says, uh-uh-uh, if we're going to get the hero where it hurts, let's go after their kin. And, uh, uh, you know, there is a lot of off-panel violence. Um the girl uses a knife, kills a guy, stabs another guy, slices up a Cavendish on his face. And then boy, the issue ends and I'm going to, I'm going to spoil the hell out of this one. This is new this week. It comes out on Wednesday today, depending on when you're listening to this, uh, to this episode. Um, hello, future people. Hello. There you go. Um, it ends with what we believe is going to be her murder and they're doing it in front of her son where they're forcing the kid to watch whatever they do to his mother. But we don't see any of that on panel because all we do is we end with this big long shot of the house on the prairie with Cavendish walking away and we hear the kid screaming, no mom, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. It's kind of brutal for a Lone Ranger series. Uh, even though we don't see a lot of the violence on panel, the s- stuff that you put inside your head can get kind of yeah, kind of crazy. The uh, series is written by Brett Matthews with art by Sergio Carrello. I loved him as the lead singer of Poison. Yes, all right. That's Brett Michaels. And, of course, wonderful John Cassidy cover art. 350 is a little bit expensive, I think, for some of the Dynamite titles. But when you've got a good story like The Lone Ranger, you what they uh, deliver each month in Zorro, you know, it's it's probably worth the 350 uh, I haven't read the last couple of issues of The Lone Ranger, so I'm a little lost on the whole overall story. So I'm going to go ahead and give this one a three and a half slices of meatloaf out of five. The art is wonderful. The story is well told. The violence is a little bit creepy. You know, this isn't your classic black and white 1950s TV Lone Ranger villains. These are ones that go to town and, and take care of business when it comes time to uh, to killing people. So good issue, but... You know, it's probably not a good jumping on point for people. Mm-hmm. Rodrigo, what do you got? You also have something from uh, Dynamite Entertainment. That's right. Red Sonia, Wrath of the Gods, number three of five. <laughs> um, by Luke Lieberman and Ethan Riker. Oh, and, I loved him on Star Trek. Yes. Um, oh, you could do it, but I can't. <laughs> I'm just doing it because you did. <laughs> Schmuck. I was waiting. I had the. I, like I was counting. My name's Stephen, and I like to step on Matthew's jokes because that's how I talk. Yeah, well, remember this is all happening during my review. What's your point? Wrath of the gods. The gods right. are angry at Red Sonia for something. Probably because Megan Fox is going to play her in the upcoming movie. Yeah, they're upset about that, so they're going after her. Um. No, this is this is a story about Red Sonia, Thor, and baby Loki fighting Loki and Odin. Um not Marvel's Thor. Not Wait, Marvel's Thor. Okay. Cool. Um this Thor is about like eight feet tall and about eight feet wide. Really? And is covered in red hair. 
Oh. So he kind of looks like Sasquatch from Alpha Flight. <laughs> um, or, uh, um, so they're trying to basically get to the world tree that Odin lives in, you know, in this uh, story. Uh-huh. And um, Loki has previously kind of invaded Red Sonia's mind. And when they finally infiltrate, like, this tree citadel, Loki takes over Red Sonya's brain mind and starts attacking Thor and baby Loki. Um, it's it's pretty interesting. The art is really good. Um, it's, it's always nice to see all of these different artists doing Red Sonya and how they interpret her uh, um, chain mail bikini. Yeah. Um, this one's a pretty straightforward, just kind of, like, circle-y type mm-hmm. chain mail. Mm-hmm. Um the dialogue is interesting. Um, the lettering's funny because every time Odin talks, it's it's done in like a very um, blocky, oh, yeah, yeah. like kind of like has little like dots inside. Yeah, yeah. it's 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 you know made made to look like it was taken off of a uh, Viking tablet of of some kind. But um, it's uh, you know it's I. I I've never really kept up with any Red Sonia story, but it always seems that I jump right into the middle of things, and it's largely the same story. <laughs> it's Red <Ooh>. Sonia, <laughs> and like two between one and three companions of whatever flavor this this story happens to be. Um, Red Sonia is the doctor, kind of. Um, and she because she's yelling at them and telling them to keep up. <laughs> And, Red Sonia is the doctor. Yes, and then she, in and, the end, you know, with the the only, well, and and really, I mean, the doctor a lot of the time ends up killing whatever the threat is, but Red Sonia always ends up killing whatever the threat is. Yeah. Um. At the end, with really kind of just minimal or uh, or just kind of nominal help from her allies. And you'd think with Thor being eight foot tall and eight foot wide, he'd be doing a little bit more than just standing there with his arms crossed. That's right. But um, this one's a little different in that Loki takes over. or, or it, It's not like he's controlling her like she's a robot. It's kind of like he clouds her mind and she's like, oh, my friends are betraying me and, and then attacks Thor and baby Loki. I have nothing against uh, shots of women's butts. But as mm-hmm. I flip through this issue, there, there seems to be an inordinate amount of Red Sonia Tushi. Yep, uh, she's flying she's in always, your face. She's always running. She's she's always on the run, and she's always running away from us. Um, Except for the shot where we're supposed to be down, looking up, and her groin is in her, her crotch is in her face. That's right. There is a lot of cheesecake in this. I, in fact, like one of the very first panels is Loki, like down on the ground, and he's surrounded by scantily clad women. So. There's you know there's 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 plenty of that stuff for you. There's a, there's a scene where like some kind of otter, like otter monkey turns into a giant monster. Yeah, it's kind of like Pokemonish, but yeah. that's clearly going to be important later. Um, all in all, I'll give it two and a half slices of meatloaf. There is nothing wrong with it. This is like some good solid swashbuckling sexy girl comic featuring <laughs> Thor and baby Loki on drums. <laughs> and they all have red hair. That's right. They all have red hair, which it, which is weird because when I first saw it, I was like, "Is this supposed to be Red Sonia's family?" Yeah. Um. It just so happens that I, I think they're making a point. They're saying Thor has red hair. Gee, dang it! 
and not blonde hair. Mm-hmm. Um, she, she dang it. She dang it. Um, Thor dang it. And <laughs> wasn't that a Kid Rock song? Ba with a ba, she dang, she dang. I think so. Um, wiki wiki wiki. So they're they're. I think that that's that's them making a point. It just so happens that all three of the protagonists of this series have red hair. So you don't like the story because it seems like the same story over. And it's over. not that I don't like it. It's just that it's it's funny because like just randomly, I think last time I reviewed a Red Sonia comic, it was her and this old guy, right, right, like traveling around trying to get to this very manipulative bad guy. Like completely different characters, except for Red Sonia, but right. it was the same story. Okay, and did you like the art, even though with the gratuitous butt shots? And, and see, it's not even all that bad because she wears kind of that loincloth kind of yeah. look. So it's not even like it's a, not a thong super, or something yeah, it's like not. That. Yeah, it's yeah. you know, it's not like a very defined butt. It's just like there is a butt be- behind this <laughs> screen of metal somewhere. <laughs> this triangle of metal. That's right. Yeah. All right. It's two and a half. Both of those coming out this week from Dynamite Entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, Matthew, what have you got for us? I've got Tales from the Bean. Wait. No, never mind. Justice League of America, number 43 from DC Comics, the latest chapter in the ongoing saga Rise and Fall, rolling out of Cry for Justice! Justice! Uh, those <laughs> oh, of you yeah. who remember Justice, Justed en- Justice ended really badly um (laughs) the justice league has seemed to be in flux for the entirety of this series yeah Yeah. really uh, about five years now and this issue starts with yet another attempt at a new lineup we have we actually start from the perspective of green arrow remembering a mission with the original seven leaguers with superman batman wonder woman uh, aquaman uh, the martian manhunter that one schmuck and that other undead guy. Um, and I'm, 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 I'm torn because Mark Bagley does a really good job on the old league. And I kind of like, you know, I want to see Mark Bagley draw a core league series circa 1963. And then we cut to the future. Oliver is doing the fighty fighty against the characters who look like dark mirrors of the new gods and remind me sometime to go off on my dark mirror rant. Cause I'm kind of tired of that. But throughout this whole fight, um, Green Arrow is fighting on the moon, on the watchtower, against a couple of them, while the rest of the new league, which seems to number Monel, Green Lantern, the Manhattan Guardian, actually, forgive me, the Guardian, the Manhattan Guardian is a separate character, Black Canary, Dr. Light, the Adam, Donna, Troy, Starfire, and Batman, and yeah, that's an awful lot of characters. Uh, have a little fighty fighty and everybody talks about how it feels wrong, how the team feels imbalanced and Batman doesn't like it and Donna doesn't like it. And then we cut back to the moon and Red Tornado saves the day while having his head cut off. No, Red Tornado, not again. Well, his red, his head is still cut off from the last time. Is he keeps saying 52, 52, no, 52. No, it's like, I won't let you die, Oliver. I am your teammate. Rawr, rawr. Because huh. that's how robots talk. That's odd. Sounds and he like manages to critical hit. I know he manages to uh, make his body save the day, and then realizes that Green Arrow isn't part of the league anymore, and he wants to know what's going on. And Green Arrow's like, "Yeah, I got to go kill Prometheus and stuff." And then, of course, we have the league at the end of this fight, very unhappy. And Hal and Barry take off together doing their thing. And Barry's like, oh, let's go do this, best friend, because we're the greatest heroes ever, ever, ever. Wait, I got a question then about that. 
Yes. Before or after Blackest Night? It seems to be after. Okay. Although I may be wrong. Well, did Cry for Justice, Cry for Justice took place before Blackest Night. This issue seems to take place after Cry for Justice and Blackest Night. Okay. And the good thing that it's happens a good thing in you this have the uh, webcam on because now you can see my head starting to spin. Uh-huh. The only good thing about this first part of the issue is that Starman and Congorilla get invited to come up to the Justice League satellite. Congorilla? Congorilla! And after having been with the League for about 12 seconds, Starfire quits. Oh, Starfire, come on. And then they talk about other people quitting. And then we see the League go into battle with Batman, Donna Troy... Starman, the third Starman. Okay. Michael Thomas, the blue guy, mm-hmm. and Congorilla. And everybody talks about, hey, this league is better than the other league, I guess. <laughs> and this part works for me. And then, of course, Alan Scott explodes. But what? That's what I said. <laughs> and we find out that the villains who look like Jack Kirby characters are creating a device to allow them to access the multiverse. Aha! Now we get so, interesting. Well, they find interesting. Here's the bottom line. More it interesting is, than the tale that you've already told us, I think. The bottom line is this. It's the first issue of a new take. And in and of itself, it's not bad. In and of itself, it's an interesting new start for the Justice League. The problem that I have is that We've had about, and I am not exaggerating, I am not engaging in hyperbole, we have had, to my count, 10 interesting starts to this Justice League in 43 issues. And the new creative team of James Robinson and Mark Bagley has been on the team for about three issues. Mm -hmm. And we still haven't really seen the nexus of their league come together. And now this issue seems to be implying that what they told us we might see in terms of a league, the whole Monel, Batman, uh, Wonder Girl, former Wonder Girl, Donna Troy, I guess, Green Lantern, Green Arrow, Flash League, may or may not happen. Hmm. Now, I may be reading it completely wrong. I may be misreading what's going on. But that particular league existed literally for three issues of this book and about two issues of Cry for Justice. And it feels to me like they're trying so hard to brand and identify the league that we keep turning it over and turning it over and turning it over to the point where I'm not sure I want to keep coming on board for interesting new starts for the league. Well, it just sounds like they're, you know, taking up the whole mess of characters, throwing them yeah. against the wall and seeing which ones stick and saying, ah, the new league. Yeah. Well, Cry, Cry for Justice was supposed to be a second Justice League title. Initially, it was launched as a second title to run simultaneously to the JLA title. Right. Dwayne McDuffie was then off the book. I believe at one point, Dwayne McDuffie seemed to have plans to have a new start to the league, which might include Icon and hardware, or at least that was kind of leaning that direction. And, of course, McDuffie left the book. It, it seems like the league is in flux. And if you look at... Honestly, it reminds me of what the Avengers were doing circa about 1996, near the end of their original run. You can't, you can't look at the Justice League and say, this is the greatest heroes in the world, blah, blah, blah. Everybody who's on this team has to be the greatest hero in the world, because that doesn't work. But you can't always take a team and just say, you know what I want? I want Dr. Fate, the Blue Beetle, Captain Marvel, Batman, uh, Guy Gardner, Black Canary, and a Dwarf. That would be awesome. 
And you know what? It wait, was awesome. Wait, especially, especially when uh, I don't Guy Gardner sounds like a pretty good team. I was going to say, especially when Guy Gardner starts mouth, mouthing off to the dwarf and he punches him out in one punch. Now, you guys and many of our listeners remember that as the classic Justice League International. Sure we do. You know what I remember from 1987 when that league came out? Letters pages of people of whining, where's Superman? <laughs> Letters pages of people whining, this is not my league, where's my Batman, where's right. my Wonder Woman? Right. And that run is now, historically and deservedly so, classic. But at the time, there was a lot of whining in the fan press. This is not your real league. This is as stupid as that Detroit league. You know what? I like the Detroit league. A well, cyborg, a breakdancer, a girl with animal powers, and a gypsy. Well... Wasn't the original, like the original Justice League, that one didn't even have Superman in it, right? Well, they the did, first... but the first issue had Superman saying, I'm out in space doing important things with these meteors. Carry on. Uh, contact me if you need me. And then it had Batman going, why the hell are you fuckers bothering me? Go away. Uh-huh. So Batman that doesn't say fuckers. Well, he applied. Unless he's written by... <laughs> <laughs> Frank, Frank Miller. Miller. It was yeah. implied. It was an implied go F yourself, but he was basically first, saying, I'm too busy with crime and The first appearance Gotham. of the league was Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Green Lantern, Flash, and uh, the Martian Manhunter. Yeah, for any 12-year-olds reading, I apologize, or listening, I apologize yes. for that F comment. Yeah, we don't curse around here, Bucky. I'm sorry. The thing about the league is if you think about it too much, the whole thing falls apart, and they're thinking about it too much. I, You know what I want to see in a league? The characters who interest me in these issues, Congorilla, Starman, Cyborg, uh, Donna Troy, heck, Monel, the Guardian. But I don't necessarily think that a 14-person league is always a necessity. That was the big downfall of the uh, Brad Meltzer League for me was we started with 10 oh, yeah, yeah. characters. Yeah. And then we added characters and added characters and added characters. Geoforce joined and quit the league somewhere that never happened on panel. They never said Geoforce is now a member of the Justice League. They never said Geoforce quit the Justice League. But now if you look at the official documentation, Geoforce was a member of the Justice League at some point between issue one and issue 15. You know what uh, Jeff Johns ought to do as the new chief creative officer? What? He What's needs that? to go and say, all right, we're ending Justice League of America. And next month, we're coming back with Justice League of America number one, and it's going to be all the characters and stories from the animated series. Yeah, because the best way to beat that let's restart everything cycle is to restart everything. Exactly. That's what my next question was going to be. Where can we put in our money in the pool for for the reboot, for the new number one issue? Because that's what it sounds like is happening, that it's everything's devolved into chaos to where we need to reboot we need to new issue number one new team new creative team but let's that move on thought into process a whole new era. What, that's what's brought us here well here's what i think is interesting i think that um dc had it right in that you know if you compare like uh the justice league to the avengers the avengers was kind of a was kind of brought together and and pasted with some like extra characters out of the characters that were doing well but then after that, it got stuck there. It was always, you know, Captain America, Iron Man, Thor, even if those characters weren't selling any issues. Mm-hmm. I think the Justice League forever, or for not specifically Justice League forever, um, <laughs> the, the, for the longest time, the Justice League has been what characters are selling well in DC plus Wonder Woman. 
Um, <laughs> and then going with that, at some point, that got flipped over. You know, they looked at the Avengers and they're like, hey, let's make these new Avengers with, you know, characters that are actually selling. Spider-Man, Wolverine, right. Luke Cage as, you know, because he's Iron Fist's friend. Yeah. Um, so now that that seems, and I don't know what's happened. I, I think that they've since kind of backtracked on that in the Avengers. But I, I, you'd figure they would just do that with the Justice League. They well, just look, come down and see what are the characters that are selling the most. Let's put them in the Justice League, well, and it would you've be got Green Lantern be, and Flash. It would be Green Lantern and Green Flash Lantern. aren't selling books right now. Well, those are their. Let me just say they're not selling books, but those are the two most popular characters right now. Well, Green Lantern popular is selling with books who? because Green Lantern is in the center of Blackest Night, and right. Blackest Night is selling books. So you would have Hal Jordan in there, right? And Barry and Allen's back, have, and you know and, he's got to be somewhere. And part of the problem is that well, maybe Superman is moving issues, but isn't right now? And isn't he in another planet on the planet opposite side now. of the sun? Superman so, is not in Superman. I know yes. he's not even in Action it, Comics either. You know, Batman is in another dimension, Superman's in another planet, you know, you got things like that, which is cool, you know, they're taking the characters and putting them in other places, and that's good for the experimentation, but if you want to sell a super-duper group title, you need to put the most popular and best-selling characters in there if you want it to sell, and if you want to sell another book that has Donna Troy and Kongorilla and Metamorpho and Girl Metamorpho in it, then you need a to girl call metamorpho? it apparently. Wow. Then you need to yeah, call it something else. <laughs> and no, try to sell I don't it that agree. Way. Well, see, but okay, so I don't agree I, because some way, of the most we're successful. Off, we're getting way off to- topic here. But no, this is people, the topic. No, no, I'm, I'm, it is. But let me ask you this, Matthew: In the '80s, late '80s, early '90s, whatever it was, we had three different Justice League stories. We had Justice League International, Justice League Europe, Justice League of America, and what was the other one? Extreme Justice. Was that really the other one? Uh But you know what? International and Europe were just as good as the regular JLA book. Hmm. And so why, why, Rodrigo, I don't think is wrong here. I don't think Rodrigo is wrong, but I think the problem is not that Justice League International and Justice League Europe were good books. Here's the problem with the Justice League. The paradigm of the JLA has meant a lot of different things over the last 40-odd years. And so if you say, I love the Justice League, you may say that and mean I love Justice League International circa 1987, whereas I'm thinking, you know what I loved? I loved the Detroit League where Aquaman was leading them out of a bunker. And, you know, one of their most powerful members was a breakdancer with, you know, some sort of issue with his brain and i'm and the saying i accent. like cartoons exactly that's, so the justice league the most popular justice league mm. means a lot of things to a lot of people this issue means kind of a mess mark bagley's art very good bagley is one of those guys who draws really really fast and there are times when you look at a bagley issue and go wow he drew that really fast this one is very good his green arrow is fascinating if i cared about green arrow even a whit with what they've done with him lately, I think that this is probably the best looking Green Arrow I've seen since maybe Mike Grell. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, it's the issue falls apart in the fact that this is supposed to be the new league's launching point, And even the new league is kind of falling apart. Now, the, the issues where Donna and, you know, Dick Grayson and Congo Rilla and Starman are starting to form the nucleus of a league, that has a glimmer of hope for me. And I'm hoping that they're going to be the core of a new league. Okay. But the way the way DC is going right now, I'm afraid that it's going to turn into the Hal and Barry show, which is going to drive me up the wall. In any case, one and a half stars for JLA number 43. 
Okay. And how many, how, many slices one of of one... how many slices of iPad would you give it? <laughs> You're going to let me slice up your iPad? Sure. Awesome. You well, actually, the, 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 the good thing about the iPad is if you slice it in half, just right, it actually grows into two separate yes, iPads. Yes, that's what I'm hoping. <laughs> so what you're telling me is the iPad is actually a giant amoeba. Yes. That shows you pictures on its ass. One and a half slices the old meatloaf there, huh? Yeah. Justice League of America number 43. Well, yeah. from three down to one, one and a half. Three and a half to one and a half. And Round I'd say all of that was love, you know? No, hey, I mean, you're passionate about the topic. Otherwise, we wouldn't have spent the last, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes or whatever talking about Justice League of America. And I don't disagree with anything that you've said. I've stopped I'd also reading like Justice to point League out that because we, everything went you crazy. you guys make fun of my long reviews, this week was partly your fault. <laughs> Rodrigo talked longer on my review than he did on his own. However, I did not talk longer on your review than you did on mine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Once we are done with the reviews, and I should point out that we do have plenty of other reviews over at Majorspoilers.com. You can take a drink. And I should also point out, I forgot to mention this earlier, that I have posted what the April Other Word Book Club episode is going to be about it. It's about the Maltese Falcon. Uh, this was a recommendation from I Rodrigo. I love it when Han Solo took the Maltese Falcon and he's I like, know. you're all clear, kid. And I've actually had a copy of the Maltese Falcon sitting around on the bookshelves for a while. N- never actually sat down and read it, so I need to sit down and read it. So we're going to read it in the month of April. And if you're wondering whatever happened to the Chinatown Death Cloud Peril by Paul Malmont, well, we're going to make April a noir pulp month. Nice. All right. So we're going to be, at some point during the month, we'll be reviewing both uh, Chinatown Death Cloud Peril. That'll probably happen in another week. I've got about three or four more chapters to read. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the month, we will hit on the Maltese Falcon. So go get your copy of Dashiell Hammett, dust it off, and uh, enjoy the Sam Spade story. So you can my check that out. My mom told me not to month. dust off my Dashiell Hammett or else I go blind. <laughs> so after reviews, it comes to our other segment that generates a lot of conversation. It's time. Years ago on the dead planet Krypton, a young scientist named Jor-El rocketed his son to safety. That boy grew up to be completely and utterly inappropriate conversation for this week's poll of the week. No, we must turn to the 30th century and the far-off planet Bismol. Young Tenzel Kem grew up wanting to be a hero while in a parallel reality on the far-off planet Riverdale. Forsyth P. Jones always wore a sweater with an S on it and no one knew why. Each man can consume mass quantities and all of a sudden I have the coneheads <laughs> in my head. <laughs> we, are mass we are from France. We are from France. France. <laughs> he consumed massive <laughs> quantities, that's right. Garfunk the Garfunk. <laughs> Matthew, what time is it? It's time for the major spoilers. Poll of the week. And you kind of got that. Uh, what was that uh, instrument that they used to make all those sci-fi music sounds from the, the 1950s? Theremin. The theremin. Yeah, that's kind of the theremin what, uh, is actually played by putting your hands in a field of electromagnetic yeah, energy, waving it around. Yep. It's it's actually quite appropriate for our actually, two characters. Lately, one and one of the things that I'm 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 very uh. Oh, Happy Rodrigo Spitalik! Um, <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> ah, Rodrigo I'll see you in 30 days. I'll see you in 
Actually, Rodrigo is he would probably say Spanish. Review. Yeah, and, and uh, <laughs> the, the 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 Mexico of the fifth dimension has a much smaller uh, waiting period. Um, Get me fewer, his non-unit Mexican counterpart. Fewer, uh, fewer going off the rails here. There. Sorry, um, auto to the news. You know, the uh channel. Um, they actually have lately been using a uh, theremin a lot. Oh, really? So, if you want to see some cool use of a theremin, go check out Auto Tune the News. Uh, the last right. couple ones. So, this question was actually sent into us from one of our listeners. He said, "Hey, I've always wondered who would win between Jughead and Matter Eater Lad. I don't know if he meant a fight, but I just thought, hey, you know what? These two, <laughs> these two are are known for consuming mass quantities. So, consume mass quantities. Matter Eater Lad and Jughead." We're in a hot dog eating contest. Who could eat the most? Matter Eater Lad? Or that kid with the crown from Riverdale? Hmm. Well, it'd be a hamburger. I think it would be a wimpy. <laughs> um, I don't know. I it's it's funny because they're they're both very similar characters, although I think a lot of the characterizations of Matter Eater Lad, he's more of a Reggie that just happens to eat a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um I think if it comes down, obviously, to eating actual food, then Jughead has a has a chance at at the title. Um, if you know, if it's if it's like a triathlon where they start with burgers, then they go to milkshakes, and then they go to cars. Yeah, then and they run Matter twenty Eater. yards and then fish. <laughs> yeah, then then Matter Eater Lad is gonna is gonna outpace him. So I think I think it really depends on the situation. Um, but really because uh, Matter Eater Lad has an actual superpower and especially when you are like when you have such a narrow niche in mm-hmm. a uh, mm-hmm. in a group yeah. that superpower tends to grow. Um, I think Matter Eater Lad would have him because uh, Jughead can play the drums. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just vamping here. Come on, get happy. <laughs> I uh, I went with uh, I went with Jughead. Mm-hmm. You know that guy's been around for 60, 70 years now. Yeah, and he looks great. He looks as good as ever. Been shoving down those cheeseburgers each and every time we see him. Mm-hmm. I think he'd probably give uh, Matter Eater Lad a run for his money because you know. Jughead's from Riverdale and not from a planet called Pepto Bismol. That's right. Yeah. So and he plays the drums. Okay, That's why first of all, for. the planet is called Bismol. <laughs> the capital is Pepto. Okay. Secondly, Matthew. Matthew, who do you vote in this? Well, this is a difficult combination because I want I want to uh, allow me to posit you a posit if you will. Why am I talking like Dusty Rhodes? Okay. I'm a I'm a I'm a what is it what it is is you're asking me the equivalent of who's a better musician. Joe Satriani or Amadeus Mozart? It's, well, I mean, it's not really a valid comparison. I feel like Jughead <laughs> really does have the specialization. Jughead, you know, Jughead has the years too. 1941 definitely predates uh, Matter Eater Lad, who I believe was around 1960. Yeah. But then you also have to take into account that there's more than one Matter Eater Lad, there's 3.5 Matter Eater Lads. Uh. But when you break it all down, if you say Forsyth Pendleton Jones the third has twenty-seven letters in it, Tenzel Kem has nine, obviously, then the square root of Jughead is Matter Eater Lad. And thus I had to go with the Legion. Um <laughs> I went Matter Eater Lad, and uh, here's the thing. As of right now, 271 votes in. I haven't seen one this close since uh, whether or not was, they should have. Last week's Godzilla was 50-50. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, that's true. So I haven't seen one this close since the last time we did this. Fifty-five <laughs> percent of the vote, two hundred seventy-one votes in as of my account. Uh, Fifty-five percent of the vote leaning towards Matter Eater Lad Jughead. Forty-five percent, and I think part of it is that once again you chose a worse-looking picture of Jughead. I think that's it's actually all about an excellent. Uh, I think that's an excellent. Uh, picture of Jughead. It, it's actually. all about sexism. It's not a flattering angle and he's all black <laughs> and white and, you know. If, if anyone's curious, last week's Godzilla uh, movie, American movie remake came in at 52% saying no thank you and 48% saying you betcha. Oh, yeah. With a uh, margin of error of uh, 4%. Nice. So. Now, here's one for you. Does anybody know what the S on Jughead's sweatshirt stands for? Smallville. <laughs> Ass clown. <laughs> really? It stands for ass clown? Why isn't it an A then? Oh, because all the other letters are very small. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Jughead is wise not... One. Jug... <laughs> Archie was not having sex with Mr. Weatherby. <laughs> all I know is that crown means that he's the king of Queen Archie's world. And we cue the music. Meh, meh, meh. Hey, did you guys have a uh, chance to watch the new Doctor Who through your various means? Mm-hmm. Did you really? Yep. Really? Nope. Matthew, did you? No. Nope. I'm, nope. I'm waiting. I, I'm holding back, tem- you know, holding back on the temptation to go to YouTube or mm-hmm. wherever you might get your Doctor mm-hmm. Who. To, to go what- to your absolutely legal download site. <laughs> to see what the new Matt Smith brings to the, uh, to the Doctor character. Mm-hmm. But in this week's 61-second Doctor Who review... We're going to find out what you think. Of course, this is going to be really bad if I play it and it turns out not to be a Doctor Who review, even though because oh, you're it not going to listen to it. I haven't at listened all. to it ahead of time. I never oh, okay. listen to the stuff ahead of time. I'm going to let it surprise me. So let's all listen together. Alan Moore, Alan Moore does whatever an Alan Moore does. This is films. Writes the Watchman. Something, something, something else. Look out! Here's the Alan Moore. My name is not Alan Moore. But I am the Dexter 102, and I am going to give you today a 61-second review of the brand new 11th Doctor episode, The 11th Hour. So here we go. 61 seconds, The 11th Hour. Starting from now. Right, first impressions. I went into this thinking, great, new Doctor. I'm not sure about the writer, though. I'm not the world's biggest Stephen Moffat fan. Don't get me wrong, I love his Blink Angels. I think they're genius. But I just don't like him as a writer. And I'm going to be front about that. First thing that came to mind, Rebootzilla. It's a total reboot. Everything's been re-explained. But I don't mind that. The characterisation of the Doctor is very good. And it carries forward with a lot of weight from the 10th Doctor, which is lovely. There's plenty of tropes back to the 10th and the 9th Doctor and a wonderful sequence uh, on the rooftop, which I won't give away for you Americans who haven't seen it yet. The acting is good. The dialogue is believable. The characters are good. They've kind of, um, how should I say it? monopolised on the assistant a little, which I don't particularly mind, but it's just something to talk about. And, again, Matt Smith is not my doctor. I give it four slices of meatloaf, which is high praise. So before I file my six o'clock major spoilers report, I just want to give a big heads up to the major spoilers forum, where if you don't like what I say, or you want to have a go at me, or you want to post your own opinion... Go to the Dexter 102's review section on the forum under the podcast banner. And I just want to give a quick heads up to two people. That's uh, XPeterX for giving me some wonderful feedback. And Navra, the guy with the Nickelback person on the front. 
and uh, for being so kind and accepting me onto the forum very nicely. So thanks to them, and as always, peace and love, everybody. Well, like I said, I actually, Matthew and I both had our fingers in the in our ears. La, 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 Let me I'm just ask listening. you this real quick, la, 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 I'm not Is it is it worth staying up uh, till seven p.m. on on Saturday next week to watch the new Doctor Who? Yes. Okay, that's all I need to know. Thank you very much. All right. If you want to comment about the uh, Dexter 102's uh, review or Doctor Who, or if you'd like to comment about anything. Do you remember that episode of Doctor Who two seasons ago called Human Nature? You know what was on tonight? What's that? The Hidden Planet one, the Stolen Planet episode. Hmm. Oh, all the Doctor's companions from the last two years, five years, ten years. There was actually a point to this. Um, (laughs) Human Nature had the little blonde kid who does the voice of Ferb on Uh Phineas and Ferb Uh as the main secondary character. And every time I hear the Dexter talking, I see that kid in my head sitting in like 1923 in this room full of vacuum tubes and great big microphones going, Hello, the Dexter 102 here. And it's just that's not That's not what I get. I mostly just expect him to go... Oh, I could ride neat the wing. Ah, <laughs> uh, we could because we love. But listen, seriously, I, didn't get that joke. I would much rather listen to our listeners call in and talk to us than I would reading emails or comments off the website. Mm-hmm. My challenge to you, <gasps> blasphemer! My challenge to you, all of you listeners out there. That's because he gets all these paper cuts from the emails. Yes, I do. Owies! All those Shh, electrons are yeah. cutting me deep. My challenge to you is to pick up Skype and contact us at, uh, what is it, Stephen underscore Schleicher. You can do that on Skype. Or call that Major Spoilers hotline at, Matthew? 785-727-1939. If you're calling for another country, it's 011-785-727-1939. Yeah, I, I would challenge everybody to call in. I want to hear, hear five comments from people by next week. Mm-hmm. And I don't want one of and, the comments to be this AT&T operator who's trying to sell me service on my Skype because that lady's just rude. Yeah. Okay. So call us on the hotline. Give us a shout out about something that's going on in your comic book pop culture world. Good, bad, and different. Comment on what we're talking about. Just Skype us. You can even record your MP3 and email it to us. Mm-hmm. I don't even mind that. Okay. Get it done, people. Mm. <laughs> this, this is Have you ever much, noticed that Jughead's much? hat is exactly the same hat that Goober wore on the Andy Griffith show? Yeah, I have noticed that before. So this week, um, we're taking a look at the first six issues of The Life and Times of Scrooge McDuck from Boom Studios. They just came out with this like three weeks ago, four weeks ago, something like that. Brilliant hardcover. Mm-hmm. You can also get it in, in uh, softcover trade. I did not read these as they originally came out in, in the uh, early 90s. But I have read the entire 12-issue run of The Life and Times of Scrooge McDuck. Now, Carl Barks is probably the greatest Disney writer-artist that ever lived. Would you agree with me, Matthew? Oh, yes. The Good Duck Man is probably... uh, I'm going to say it. If you're looking at worldwide impact, probably one of the most successful, one of the most creative, one of the most fascinating comic creators ever in any medium. Disney has been reprinting those uh, Carl's Barks uh, issues since forever and has made Scrooge McDuck a hugely popular character in Denmark, Norway, Sweden, Iceland, Germany, Finland, Switzerland, Portugal, We're Brazil. We're huge in Sweden and beloved <laughs> in Ignatius. And surprisingly in China. Mm-hmm. Scrooge McDuck is popular in China. And now, I want to know 
through uh, yeah well you know what <laughs> how does that go you know what i've got a theory about that that i want to talk about a little bit later mm-hmm. but he's the big in latin america too is he mm-hmm. everything everything scrooge mcduck or just the whole duck clan um i'm pretty sure i would go to my uncle's place and my cousins would have scrooge mcduck comics just Excellent. kind of lying around so throughout Carl Barks's long tenure of writing Scrooge McDuck, he would scatter in all of these little short snippets of Scrooge talking about, I, when I was a lad, or however, do your Scottish accent, Matthew, where he says, when I was a lad, uh, I used to work with my uncle on the riverboat. When I was a lad, I used to work with my uncle on the riverboat. It's time you learned something of your ancestors. And the problem and so is he, now that you've told me to do it, I just can't do it. So... Barks would scatter all of these little bits. Mm. He would scatter all these little bits, and sometimes he'd have a couple panels of a flashback to when Scrooge was a young lad, maybe uh, uh, shining shoes Mm -hmm. in Scotland, and that's all we would see. But over the years, Uncle Scrooge fans, Disney fans, Barks fans, have collected all of these little tidbits and have compiled kind of a history of Uncle Scrooge. Well, Don Rosa, this was in the early 90s, said, why don't I go to Gladstone, the company that was publishing at Disney at the time, Jim Stone, and say, hey, uh, how about I do a whole series about this based on Carl Barks's history of Uncle Scrooge, all these little tidbits that we've thrown in, and we're not rewriting Scrooge's history. We're Mm -hmm. not redoing anything different. We're actually expanding upon these little snippets that have been dropped through throughout history. So I forget how long he says that he had to uh, scramble around. And try to make this uh, history of Scrooge McDuck. But he developed a 12-issue series that, again, ran in the 90s through Gladstone Publishing. And it tells the fascinating tale of how Scrooge went from a wee lad mm-hmm. to the curmudgeon of an old duck that uh, that he came to be. Six issues, well, though. I'm- Man, you really need to read the whole... I-, I will say this. It's kind of the end of the entire review, but... Everybody needs to read all 12 issues because I think reading the first six issues, you might feel kind of left out. Mm-hmm. Matthew, what are your thoughts? Let's start with you and issue one. Issue one. With uh, young Scroogey becoming a shoeshine boy. It's actually uh, one of the recurring uh, themes, I guess, if you will, of the old Bark stories is the magic powers of Scrooge's first dime. Right. And, you know, later, later writers actually claim that the dime itself is magic, but the dime itself is not magic. It's just important as the first dime that Uncle Scrooge ever made. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I love the fact that it opens with Scrooge swimming through his money. Right. And the omniscient narrator thinking about how did he get to be so rich and Scrooge looking at, at the camera and going, none of your gold earned business. Yep. <laughs> I love that character bit, but basically it flashes back to his father, uh, the, the, the clan, the leader of clan McDuck. I believe his name was, uh, Angus McDuck. I don't know. I will look here. Connor, really Connor McDuck. There can be only one McDuck. <laughs> well, actually, but, Scrooge is the last of the McDuck. So, you know, the whole legacy of the McDuck clan that goes all the way back to this ancient castle mm-hmm. is resting on his shoulders. And, and it's fascinating that when 
when his dad is teaching him or, you know, talking to him about his first job as a shoeshine boy, his dad actually teaches him what we later learned about Scrooge. He made his money square. He was smarter than the smarties and tougher yeah. than the toughies. And it, it, it points out something that I hadn't thought about. This takes place in Scotland. He's given an American dime. Yep. And in, a, in, in Scotland, American dime is almost worthless and he keeps it as kind of a lesson. Yeah. More than anything, you know, he, he feels like he actually, you know, somebody hosed him by giving him this American dime. I thought that was kind of clever, too. Uh, Scrooge's father is Fergus McDuck. And Fergus's, I like, I like Connor. Fergus's, Fergus's other two brothers are I Jake McDuck and Angus Pothole McDuck, who mm-hmm. we will meet Angus. in another story. Uh, you know, you want to know why I think this uh, Scrooge is popular in China? Why? Especially in these stories, because we learn throughout, especially these six issues and throughout the entire series, we learn of Scrooge McDuck's core values Mm -hmm. and we understand where he comes from. Mm -hmm. And even though Scrooge has this quest for money, I mean, he wants to be rich and it goes in here in the very first, uh, you know, page. He has a multiple, multiple jillion, nine impossibilion, seven fantastic quadrillion dollars and 16 cents. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, even though he has this drive to accumulate wealth and be a skinflint, you know, be this really tight character with his uh, with his money, we see these core values being put into him. You have to put in the hard work. Nothing is handed to you easy. Um, you know, in the end, it's not the money that matters, but what you do to help along, uh, in this case, the society, because – Towards the end, and, and I think it was in, in these first six issues, you know, he goes, he's sending money back to the home. Mm-hmm. He's going back and rescuing the castle. Yep. He yep. is, at the end of the 12 issues, is going and essentially founding Duckburg or being one of the founding mm-hmm. major players in, in Duckburg. Mm-hmm. So it's all kind of relating back to some higher group. And maybe in China, the, the idea is you work hard to help the higher group and mm-hmm. maybe the the money issue is maybe downplayed a little bit more but i really love that we are seeing these core values of scrooge especially starting this first chapter with these with this first experience as a uh, as a shoeshine boy rodrigo and hello <laughs> <laughs> no i i was i was so surprised as i started reading this about how like immensely interesting it is like as a kid, I'd read random uh, Scrooge McDuck and Donald Duck and their right. nef- uh, nephews kind of mm-hmm. deals, and I was like, and 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 as a kid, I liked them. But like going through this, I was like, oh, like he makes his first dime, and then he like moves to selling Pete. Yep, and then that becomes something later. Like that's a, it's important that he switches to selling like flammable Pete. Right, right, right. You know, and and like the all of the books there, it's. You know, you talk about like storytelling storytellers like weaving their stories. Mm-hmm. These these stories are woven. They're you know not only do they have a lot of um like nice strong visible continuity, but every little thing that happens in the story is building towards the climax of the tale. Right. Um. And at the end of this very first one, you know, it it ends up going that he goes from a shoe shiner to a log salesman to a peat salesman, and then that. The, because he has that Pete is how he chases the Whiskervilles yes. out of his ancestral homeland or out of his mm-hmm. ancestral castle. Mm-hmm. And the castle really plays a big role throughout this entire series. And there's actually, and you guys didn't read it. And maybe, Matthew, have you read the entire series? 
The entire series? Yeah, the entire 12 issues. No, I've read the the first six. Okay, there is an issue way later on that features Scrooge taking his two sisters to America. Mm -hmm. And there is a panel that just is so powerful Mm -hmm. that you just sit there and go, wow, I can't believe they did this in what is essentially a kid's kid's book. Uh, Hortense and Matilda. Yes, and you know what's funny about that is um, Hortense is... um, such Don, a, she's she's Donald's mom, yes, right? Yes, because that, uh, when I when I got to that part of the book, I like flipped out. That is like unheard of in 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 Disney stories. Well, we always wonder because Donald always calls Scrooge McDuck his uncle, right? But we right. don't understand, Uncle Scrooge. You know how did it? How, is it really his uncle? How did they? You know how are mm. the? What's their lineage? And there's a great spread in this collection that I have that shows the family tree and Hortons. We see as this. All throughout these issues, she's a very angry kid. She's uh-huh. punching and screaming and losing her temper very, you know, very easily. And I'm always like, why do they keep referencing her? Why do they keep referencing her? And then you get to the family tree and you're like, dang, that's why. That's, yeah. And there's actually, well, in the later issues, you actually see her being courted mm-hmm. um, by, uh, by Quackmore Duck, uh, Donald's father. Interesting. Yeah, so that it really, oh. the whole thing is just so well done because... Again, Rosa is not setting out to tell, to change history, mm-hmm. right? He's taking what Barks took and is creating, yeah. embellishing it, you know, mm-hmm. adding on yeah. to it. And in these first six issues, I, I got to say, my favorite one is the the Riverboat Tale. Yeah. Chapter two. That is awesome. Give us a rundown, Matthew. The uh, The whole thing is just filled with awesome puns for me, but <laughs> hang on, let me get to it. Donald ends up working, I believe, not Donald, Scrooge, Scrooge. ends up working for his uncle mm-hmm. as a, basically, a riverboat, and I love the whole joke about Mark Twain, where? I want his autograph! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but ends up working on the riverboat, and if the uh, the thing that keeps sticking in my head is when... Early in the story, they give us an important thing, and they explain, this is what happens to trees when they sink in the river. Right. And it was a big problem with it. This is an actual historical fact. Yes. It's something fascinating, and it's a reference to something that really happened when, you know, riverboaters were riverboating. It's a reference to something that happened in a bark's tale, and it's key to the plot that Rosa is telling throughout this whole issue. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that really fascinates me about the whole thing. But basically, they end up dealing with the riverboat and and the first appearance <laughs> of the villains who would later be pretty much, I want to say, Scrooge is probably his most persistent foes. Mm-hmm. The guys, the boys who always wanted to steal Scrooge's money. And they were beagles, but they couldn't think of what to call themselves. Yeah. That's a, what are we, what are we going to call ourselves? I don't know. Here, put this on. It's a brand new mask. Yep. <laughs> Some of it's kind. Of, I mean, it's kind of heavy in how they introduce the mask. You know, here's this other yeah. rival riverboat captain that says, "Hey, if you guys want to hide yourselves, here's these uh, masks that I got at Mardi Gras last month that just so happened to still be in my pocket. Put them on." And yeah. then we're introduced to the Beagle Boys. But what's really cool is in those panels before they put on their masks, their face and their eyes are all in shadow. So we really because never see the Beagle Boys without unmasked. their masks on. Mm-hmm. And I think that's... Because we've that's never seen nice the Beagle touch. Boys unmasked. We also the see... The Beagle uh, Boys aren't shown unmasked. Yeah. We also see uh, Gyro Gearloose's uh, ancestor, mm-hmm. who has yeah. this uh, pill that will clear up the muddy Mississippi. 
to uh, find this sunken treasure that's in one of yeah. the uh, one of the uh, steamships of the, of the time. In a, a, sun, a sunken riverboat, and apparently the this is also true. The Mississippi River was actually rerouted. Right, thanks to an earthquake back in the and 1908 due, or due something like that. Yeah. And boats were were left run aground, and one of the boats ended up basically nearly underground. Mm-hmm. And there's a secret hidden treasure on one of the boats. And that's what I like about about this tale because one of the things that oh, I'll see you guys. Later. You're both in the fifth dimension, and the show is all about me. Hooray! So, um, this is what I've always liked about Scrooge McDuck tales is they always have this fantastical adventure component, mm-hmm. and an entire riverboat buried underground, except for the steam pipe that's sticking up that they think is a well, mm-hmm. is so much fun. Yeah, that's yeah. what I that's what I enjoy, and of course, everyone comes out on top, especially as Matthew said with the uh, the tree that pops up and and stops the Beagle yes. Boys from making their escape. What what it really reminds me of as much of anything, and especially in that episode, is Tintin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It has, I mean, it takes these characters who are essentially funny animals, but it doesn't put them in funny animals' tales. It puts them in a straightforward adventure story that has a humorous component, but is is like backhandedly educational. Yeah, yes. and, and, the and kind a of surprisingly that, strong historical component. Right. Really, like, I know. And you're you're reading this, and you're like, oh, well, that's interesting. And I remember reading, you know, Bark's Uncle Scrooge stories when I was a kid that my grandmother had in, like, hardcover collections. Yeah. And thinking, wow, this is interesting stuff. And then later finding out that this is actually true. These are historically accurate stories. But right. the this one especially with the origin of the Beagle Boys and what's essentially their first arrest and their first run-in with Scrooge is fascinating. And at the end... I don't think anybody gets the treasure, do they? No, the government uh, gets all the gold back. Yeah. yeah. And so Scrooge years later is going to, uh, he's going to stay with his uncle and sometime down the road, he's going to become the captain of the riverboat, which leads us into uh, chapter three, Rodrigo, where Scrooge McDuck becomes a rootness tootness cowboy of the, that's of right. The old he West. becomes the buckaroo of the badlands. Um, so the good, the bad and the ducky. So Scrooge inherits the riverboat uh, from his uncle, who goes off to become a, a popular uh, writer. Yeah, um, <laughs> mostly by embellishing the tales of pretty much Scrooge's adventures. Right. While they were all together. thirty-seven of the Beagle Boys attacked me at once, and I fought them off with my two strong hands. That's right. Um, but he inherits the riverboat right as the railroad is really picking up. Right. So um, he gets into a mishap, loses the boat, and goes. You know what? I'm going to get out of here. Yeah. I'm going to keep going west and see what happens. So he gets to, what is it, Arizona? Kansas, I think, because he's 100 yeah. miles from Wichita whenever yeah. the train, whenever he falls off the train. Um, So he gets to the west, the wild west, the untamed west, and uh, gets hired on by another Scottish man mm-hmm. um, to kind of keep track of this prized Angus bull. And it's funny because he gets hired because he can ride the meanest, baddest Bronco. And after he gets done <laughs> riding the meanest, baddest Bronco, he realizes because his money belt yeah. got hooked got to the saddle. The saddle. Yeah. Um, so that's why he didn't get knocked out. Um, and the man that he works for is an actual historical figure. Is he actually? Nice. Murdo, Murdo McKenzie is actually a real historical figure. Mm-hmm. Granted, he probably didn't deal a lot with talking ducks. Right. And probably but, wasn't a beagle himself. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, and that's also, 
there are historical figures scattered throughout this book. In fact, I believe it's in this chapter that he, yep, meets, he meets, uh, Teddy, Teddy Roosevelt, Roosevelt, who's not named Teddy Roosevelt. That's right. They, they make a quick reference to him as TR. Yeah. Yeah. And that he got into politics before he decided to become, a um, cowboy or something yeah, in the before, West. Yeah. Before he kind of struck out on his own. Um, so the, the, um, oh, what are they called? Uh, these two yeah, the, horse thieves, the cattle wrestlers. Yeah. Um, they steal the Angus calf and uh, Scrooge has to chase them down. Um, so they get into this kind of ridiculous Scooby-Doo, like running around situation in these <laughs> in the canyons. Yeah. <laughs> um, and eventually he he comes out ahead, you know, by employing a dinosaur skull and some rope and a grizzly bear. Yeah. Um, yeah. And some buffalo. And- yeah. Uh, Scrooge, <laughs> Scrooge ends up on top and uh, they, he kind of rides off into the sunset. Yeah. He's going to be the, the head ranch hand of the 10,000 mm-hmm. acre ranch in Montana. That's right. And this is, you know, it, it seems, and again, these morals and these ethics that are building into Scrooge about, you know, he keeps losing his fortune or the potential of losing his fortune at the end of each of these stories. And yet he still continues to say, you know what? I still have this dream. I'm still going to follow it. I'm still going to do everything that I can. And we'll see what happens. And if it turns out that I go to Montana and I live there for a few years until uh, until barbed wire becomes a big issue for the cattle mm-hmm. rancher and, and I have to move on, then I'll move on. And that's exactly what happens to Scrooge. And so he decides that, hey... Maybe I should try to get into mining. Yep. And uh, Matthew, why don't you pick it up from there? Uh, Scrooge decides maybe I should get into mining. And so he goes to mine things in a mine. Yes, but he doesn't, he's not very good at it. <laughs> he's not. And that's, that's one of the fun recurring gags at the beginning of the, well, the six issues that I've read, he keeps almost getting rich yes, yes yes and then not getting rich but he ends up in basically the mining the the community and somehow it becomes public that it he whoever owns the land closest to the vein owns the entire mine right the, the entire is vein I, yeah the entire vein is what they own and so right. scrooge just really sucks as a miner and it's not until he runs into this somewhat wealthy guy uh, Howard Rockerduck, uh-huh. who says, "Oh, you're doing it all wrong," and and Scrooge kind of pulls a uh, pulls a Tom Sawyer, Tom Sawyer or Huck Finn, I forget which one, pulls a Tom Huck Sawyer Finn. on him and says, "Oh, well, if you think you can dig a dig a claim better, why don't you just do it?" And the guy's like, "All right, let me show you." And so Scrooge learns all of his mining techniques mm-hmm. from this guy, and they they essentially run into the Anaconda Lode, the beginning yeah. of that of the copper vein, and as Matthew said, whoever this apex claim Mm -hmm. whoever owns that owns the entire vein right and then there's uh, i'm uh, my time frame may be off now but i believe there's a huge ongoing battle yeah there's and then scrooge almost becomes incredibly famous yeah and rich well see the judge rules in in scrooge's favor says Mm -hmm. yes the apex law says that scrooge does own this entire thing turns out that the uh anaconda mine is actually owned by or half owned by this guy mm-hmm. that uh, taught him how to mine. And so you're wondering if maybe there's a little bit of 
uh, this guy's doing it on purpose because he knows what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Because his son is just a spoiled brat. Yeah. This rich guy's uh, rocker duck's uh, son is just a spoiled brat, and he's like, "Eh, I don't care if my claim, you know, if my claim on this fortune goes away, my kid's just going to get a little le- less rich mm-hmm. than he already is." Um, right. And so the other half owner of the mine says, "Well." I'll buy you out for $10,000, which right. back in that time period would have been, right, you huge. know, a lot of money. And uh, Scrooge is like, oh, no, 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 I'm not going to do that until he gets word from his father mm-hmm. that, that uh, things are not going well back home and he needs to come home immediately. And Scrooge says, all right, give me the $10,000. <laughs> I'm going to lose out on this anaconda mine. I'm going to go home and see what the hell's going on. Well, he says, what the heck? Right. Or what the duck is going on. Well, and <laughs> 10 grand, you know, again, 10 grand ain't nothing. <laughs> It is nothing to sneeze at. I mean, he goes back home and discovers that the ancestral home that we saw in the first chapter is being foreclosed on, essentially. Mm-hmm. And the Whiskervilles are on a plot because they want to find this hidden gold that's supposedly buried in the castle. And so because uh, Scrooge's father and uncle haven't paid the taxes, it's going up for auction. Well, Scrooge uh, just so happens to have all the money that he needs to pay off those taxes and save mm-hmm. the ancestral home, which is a callback to that first issue where he... Scrooge right. kind of wistfully wonders that someday I wonder if I'll ever have enough money to, you know, buy back this land or, or buy this castle and fix it up. And if I'll ever own this castle or any other castle and so on and so forth. And it kind of comes to fruition here in this tale, but not before Scrooge McDuck dies. That's right. What happens, Rodrigo? Um, it's really like this gets in, this is this was a really weird one because um, we meet the ghost of one of his ancestors right. very early, like I think in the first uh, in the first story. Yeah, um, and he's kind of showing him around, and then just kind of disappears. Mm-hmm. Um, here he shows up again, and he helps Scrooge um, because the the Whiskervilles challenge him challenge him to a duel, mm-hmm. and they're trying to cheat him the whole time mm-hmm. uh, and 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 steal his uh, banknote. Yep. Um, so his ancestor intercedes. And some lightning strikes, and Scrooge, I think, actually gets struck by lightning yeah. and falls into the moat. Wearing heavy armor. Wearing heavy armor. And, mm-hmm. and dies. And and has a definitely has a near-death experience, at least, where he shows up in heaven where all his ancestors, of course, being good Scotsmen, are playing golf. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and... Him and his, uh, his, the ancestor that interceded, try to convince them to send him back. Right. Because he's not supposed to be dead yet. Right. And, like, the, the whole, like, he was not, this was not supposed to happen, but the god, inter- the, the, not the god, the, uh, the ghost interfered and that's why he died, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Was really weird. It really was. Like, it was, was interesting, but it, it, like, it, it was just weird. <laughs> like, it didn't really have a place in this. Right, but it kind of brings. I, I think it was just an, an additional complication that didn't necessarily need to be there, but ended up being kind of interesting. You know, Rosa said, I think in the first issue, whenever he was writing the first issue, he had like seven pages of the history of the McDuck clan, mm-hmm. um, yep. and that the editor said, "Well, this is a story about Scrooge McDuck, not his entire clan." So they yep. threw that all out. But Rosa had already kind of come up with the history of who all these guys were, so this might have been a good opportunity to have him mm-hmm. show who all these characters. And they're arguing back and forth, and they essentially say, um, well, let's let's really see if the future of Scrooge McDuck is worth sending him back. And they're like, mm-hmm. oh, look, someday he's going to become the richest blah, 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 <laughs> and, and all these uh, fancy the, things. That's not what turns his their head, though. What turns his head is the fact that he's going to be the cheapest, stingiest skin flint of all. They're all yeah. like, 
my son. Yeah. <laughs> yes, let's send him back. And of course, he goes back and he uh, chases the Whiskervilles away. And but when he wakes up, he's still in that heavy armor, mm-hmm. and he can't get the bolts undone. So he whips out his the very first dime that he ever made, which at this point yeah. is the only money he has besides that banknote, right? And yeah loosens the screws with it and that's how he gets out of the armor Mm -hmm. it's very well done i mean it's all these little things that keep adding Mm -hmm. up and keep coming into play and essentially after the ancestral home is saved it's the next morning scrooge sees a rainbow and says hey you know what i love my home but my fortune is out there somewhere that end of the rainbow is out there and so Mm -hmm. i need to go out go out a wandering and he ends up in south africa because he's He's now into this mining thing. He knows mm-hmm. he understands how to mine. He knows how to find things, sort of. And he hears that there's gold in, in the hills of South Africa, or diamonds, or opals, or whatever that may be. And so mm-hmm. he goes to South Africa to seek his fame and fortune, and it doesn't quite work out that way. Oh, of course not. Right, Matthew? It really doesn't. The The whole South African adventure actually kind of has a a thing for me, one of my things. Basically, he he shows up. Somehow he ends up fighting elephants. I I didn't quite follow the part where he was punching. Here's here's this guy that we don't know his name yet. He's essentially a thief and he's getting run out of town on the back of a water buffalo and Scrooge sees him and says, hey, let me help. And this guy says, okay, I'm going to teach you a thing or two. You've learned all these life lessons from traveling from older people. I'm going to teach you something too. And and he says, go to sleep, and I'll watch, take the first watch, and um, tomorrow we'll continue on our journey. So Scrooge goes to sleep. The next morning, he wakes up, and this guy has stolen everything. Cleans him out. Including yep. the campfire. <laughs> and, and, he, as, and he taught him, <laughs> don't go to sleep with other people watching. Yeah, don't trust strangers. Don't trust anybody is essentially the lesson that he learns. Mm-hmm. I think what I ought to do is I go back and read through these and write down all the life lessons that Scrooge uh, has learned. And stick that to my wall. Just like, uh-huh. you know, people have those. Everything I learned, I learned in kindergarten. Yep. Everything I learned, I learned from, I learned from times Scrooge, of Scrooge McDuck. McDuck. So he's wandering around in the wilderness and stumbles upon lions and elephants and rhinoceroses and giraffes. And he just takes them to task and uses yep. it, uses his knowledge from uh, punching punch bulls and, uh, and uh, tames, tames the wild animals. Rides back into town, discovers this guy. And uh, Tarzan's feathers. Down on a lion. On a lion. Yes. Yeah, he does. Which, again, you think it would just be good enough that he rides into town with a lion, but the fact that he has a lion in town becomes important later. Yes. And he gets yes. into it with this guy, uh, this other dog. And he quotes John Wayne. I, he <laughs> stomps into the tavern. He's like, fill your hand. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, again, well done. It's a little little odd because we never really know what this guy's name is this other duck that's his competition that's always stealing his stuff mm-hmm. throws him in jail though and d- decides that hey maybe south africa isn't where i want to be because this mine is is um mining is already essentially tapped out well not tapped out but the the minerals are there's so few per ton that you already have to be somebody rich from like the diamond mines mm-hmm. to really do a gold mine in south africa and make it work right. and so we kind of close those first six issues with um with him wandering off, and, and we learn about all his enemies. The Whiskervilles of Scotland, the Beagle Boys of Mississippi, the McVipers of the Wild West, mm-hmm. and one particularly you know, nasty Afrikaner named Flintheart Glomgold. 
Flint Hart Glomvold. If you've ever watched DuckTales, mm-hmm. we see Flint Hart. Uh, I think in uh, in DuckTales, though, he's actually Scottish as well. Mm-hmm. But essentially, yeah. the second richest duck in the world. Right. And is always trying to steal McDuck's fortune to become the richest duck in the world. And beat him to awesome treasures. I like that Rosa doesn't say, doesn't introduce this character right off and says, well, I'm Flint Hart Glomgold and I'm going to teach you a lesson or two. Mm-hmm. No, they wait till that very final closing box to let you know, aha, this is that's where he who this guy nemesis. is. Yes. Aha! Yes. Now, Matthew, you had you said you had some particular issues with this issue. Well, and it, my issue is probably another one of my overthinking things. Um, in well, it's the actually original, not until you until you told us about it. I had no idea. So, yeah. in the original Barks Tales, and this is one of the one of the little references that Don Rosa actually sprinkles in here. Um, Glomgold, Flintheart's mine is the Kaffir de Gaffir mine. Mm-hmm. And to me, growing up in the 80s, the only interfa- interface that I have with the word Kaffir um, is as a racial slur against uh, those of African descent. Right. Basically, uh, when I was growing up, the only place one ever heard it was as a slur against black people, specifically in and around South America, uh, mostly having to do with apartheid. Mm-hmm. So I saw that little, you know, that little thing. And, you know, Flint Hart was, in fact, from South Africa. And, you know, to have that in there, to me, for some reason, my brain just kind of went, wow, I, I, I wonder if they know what Kafir has come to mean now. Uh, I, I know that, you know, back in the day, I'm sure it was it was probably neutral. It's kind of like, you know, the current the current in, implications of the word gay. Right. Mm-hmm. It, it just means happy in most cases, but these days it has a secondary connotation, which has actually probably become, you know, more meaningful. Right. But, you know, to have that happen, and I think, again, you know, in DuckTales, which took place in what, the late 80s, early 90s? Uh, the DuckTales were, yes, the late 80s, yeah. uh, early 90s. And this series after, came out in 91, I believe, is when it came out. Yeah. I mean, right here. after or immediately after the big to do about. South African apartheid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think part of the reason why Flint Hart was all of a sudden Scottish was because it was kind of a political hot potato to have him be a South African character. Well, so, but it's interesting from the mid 90, it says the series came out from mid 91 until the end of 93. So it's interesting that um, Rosa decided to go ahead and use the Caffier de, de Gaffier gold mine because he says the only mm-hmm. other Barksian reference I could think of to stick in this chapter was in showing. The gold mine, which Scrooge and uh, Flint Hart fight over in So Far and No Safari from Uncle Scrooge number 61. And I wondered, did it, do you think he knew? I I honestly doubt it. I mean, yeah. it may be one of those things that only that, you know, uh, only, you know, people in, in the 80s who who have that kind of interaction would look at it. Mm-hmm. Even, you know, even. Well, obviously, when this was written, when Barks wrote it as a Disney publication. Right that probably would not have come up mm-hmm. because, you know, in the, in, I think Glomgold appeared in the fifties first at that point in time, I'm sure there was a lot of racial intolerance and things going on, but it wasn't necessarily something that anyone brought up in, in proper company, right. certainly not in a kid's funny book. So I, I, I wonder if in the fifties, it didn't have any negative connotation to the point where by the time these stories were written, Nobody realized that connotation because Don Rosa was a fan of the old stories. And sure. again, originally it had no pejorative to it. Mm-hmm. It just sort of, it grew into uh, basically a racial slur. So. Well, and clearly if there had been an issue with it, 
Disney just wouldn't have printed it. Right, right. And, you know, you also have to realize that South Africa, I believe, is one of the places where Scrooge McDuck is ridiculously, especially Carl Barks' work, is ridiculously popular. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no real counterpart to me for the way they talk about this is the way they talk about like Asterix mm-hmm. to where it's it's a comic book, but it's a comic book that is a national Legend. sensation yeah. among all age groups. It's not like the 70,000 people or so who read X-Men every month. We're talking millions of people reading Uncle mm-hmm. Scrooge, reading Asterix, reading Tintin. And you know, there's no real expectation of that in America anymore. Right. So in the following chapters, I'm just going to go ahead and really quickly touch on them. Scrooge goes to Australia where he meets a, a, an outback shaman. And he, he, by the end please of the issue, reveals the his, he reveals his destiny of what will happen to him. And it's kind of kind of spooky when you read the final uh, panel of that where the, the shaman is looking at these cave paintings and he realizes that uh, uh, Scrooge is really the, the fabled platypus that they've been telling stories for the last 200,000 years. Huh. And he wonders what this big yellow box on top of a hill with, with these wires around it, what that represents. And then Scrooge has his what I think is his greatest adventure in the Klondike, where we learn about his one true love, Goldie, and mm. we see those tales. And if you've ever seen DuckTales, uh, I think it was like the third season or something, there's like a two or three part episode where it's telling the tales of Scrooge in Alaska um, trying to get his, his Klondike gold. And it's a great tale. Uh, Scrooge then goes back to Scotland. He's very wealthy at that time. Everybody, he starts to realize that uh, people are only your friends if they can get something free out of it. And since Scrooge is a is a skinflint, he does not uh, he does not give money away for free, and so people hate him. Mm-hmm. And so he goes back to America with his two sisters and settles in a town called Duckburg. And we learn a little bit more about some of his adventures there. We learn that life is indeed like a hurricane. Yes, it he is. totally beat me to it. Yes, yes. And then we then we see where Donald and his nephews meet Uncle Scrooge for the first time and how he goes from this miserable, it's almost like um, Citizen, well, it's not almost like it, it is Citizen Kane. Citizen Kane, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we were talking about The Shadow a couple of weeks ago, or last week, or whenever it was. There's a video, very Citizen Kane-ness to uh, this final issue to the point where we meet Scrooge as this grizzled old man who just wants to be left alone and can hardly move to the final robbery by the Beagle Boys, and he springs back full of life, and he says, ah, let's go ahead and have adventure kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you think of Don Rosa's art compared to Carl Barks's art, Matthew? There are similarities. I think that Rosa works more what I like to refer to as on model. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would say that there's probably more of an animation influence on what Rosa is doing and you know what people popularly say you know this is what Scrooge looks like because I saw him growing up when I watched DuckTales right mm-hmm. um, there isn't as much Bigfoot to the characters as you would see occasionally in Carl Barks Barks would do like you know occasionally he'd have a take where a character would fall back out a panel and you'd see nothing but his feet mm-hmm. you know some of the some of the old comic uh, shorthands Yep. But I think if you go back and look at the first appearance of Scrooge McDuck in like 1947, there isn't a great deal of deviation from that story, that first Barks appearance, to what you see here. And mm-hmm. I think that, honestly, if you're going to look at comic books and comic book history and not just 
superheroes. I have to say that Uncle Scrooge is probably one of the top 10 most popular characters who originated in comics. Mm-hmm. He is a he is a pure comic character. Later, he migrated into the other Disney stuff. But, you know, if you look at worldwide, he's probably as well known as Superman. Yeah. Maybe more so. Maybe yeah. more so. Yeah, well, I'd say that he's certainly more popular across the board. Yes. Rodrigo, final thoughts and recommendation. Um, This book is kind of amazing. And, and I was just completely surprised by it because it's not just a fantastic story of a character of, of a beloved character and a, and a good and fair take on him mm-hmm. but also a a surprisingly detailed story of the united states yeah um at least up until he moves away from the united states and it's kind of like a weird world like that what what really just just put it all together for me is when they start talking about uh the barbed wire and how that kind of destroyed the 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 big cattle dri- yeah, yeah the big cattle drives and stuff like that and I was like this is true oh my god is everything in this book true <laughs> everything in this book is true including the square eggs yeah, yeah. like Scrooge McDuck is like the first Forrest Gump <laughs> you know and, what yeah. you are absolutely right absolutely. absolutely right it's it's it I was I was so like halfway through reading this I went back and started reading it from the beginning. And like looking stuff up online, and yes, everything in this book is true. Yep. It's amazing, yep. and the character fits into it. The character's history fits into it. Like it's all like historically accurate. It's all interesting, mm-hmm. and all of the stories are just woven together so well. You know, stuff that happens at the beginning uh, makes or is important at the end in a non-obvious way too. It's not like. Here's the thing that's here's the ultimate nullifier is gonna kill Galactus later on in the story. Yeah. No, it's like it's more than that. It's like something that is just a throwaway line becomes mm-hmm. incredibly important later. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's kind of how the series comes about, you know. Yeah. Barks had these throwaway little moments that turn around yep. into these great stories. And and as far as a recommendation, yes, a thousand times yes. Find it. It's from Boom Studios. It's from Boom Studios. It's the six issue hardcover that's out. I'm sure. I think there's also a soft cover that you can get. Mm. Wait till you get to volume two, Rodrigo. As Matthew gives us his summary, I want you to read these last two pages of this of this story here and here, and I'll I'll come back for your reaction in a moment. So, Matthew, (laughs) final thoughts and recommendation. Absolutely, absolutely get this. This is wonderful stuff. Like Rodrigo said, it's 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 a straightforward adventure story, but it's also a history. You know, it's a historical and historically accurate story. And it's funny, and it's funny in ways that you don't expect, and it's touching. You know, you look at this and you know, he comes back on a steamship with $10,000 to his name and his baby sister is beating up strangers with a broom because they've come <laughs> to try and take the family household. And she's like, Scroogey, I'll come see you in a minute. And then she keeps beating people. And you're just like, Oh, yeah. yeah, that's so sweet. It's a, it's, well, first of all, it's based on some of the greatest comics ever written bar none. And it's done with such love and it's done so coherently and cohesively that I can't help you. You have to recommend this. If you like comics, you should read this. And if you don't like it, you're an alien transvestite robot. What? They have those these days? <laughs> they do. <laughs> uh, do they come on the iPad? I gotta yes, say, I gotta say, does. the life and times of Scrooge McDuck. Sounds an awful lot like you came on your iPod. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, we're sorry for that, ladies and gentlemen, right at the end of the show. He was more than happy. <laughs> this is an awesome series. I think the stories inside it are so deep and so rich. And beyond this idea of just becoming rich, there is so many valuable lessons that you can learn. I actually am going to have my son read this when he gets old enough to kind of read on his own mm -hmm. so he can read these adventures and then we can talk about what did Scrooge learn mm -hmm. and how can he apply that to his life. I think this is a, if you don't know who Scrooge McDuck is, if you've never read any of those Disney tales, then I think you owe it to yourself to pick up this book first and learn about this character and that way you can appreciate mm -hmm. the other stories so much more. Highly recommended. The art is great. The stories are wonderful. Rodrigo, Coming back to you, what'd you think of these last two pages? These it, two pages. It, it actually literally gave me chills. I, I was not expecting that. I because I was expecting it to be one of the characters, one of the mysterious phantom characters that was introduced. Yeah, I did not expect it to be that character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or those two characters. Yeah. yeah so, but did you did you see this bit right here? Mm -hmm. Wow, that's powerful. Yep. You got to go out and get this. Uh, Boom Studios has done an excellent job in putting this book out. Highly recommended. Go check it out, and uh, maybe we'll tell you after the show, what goes on in this final panel. All right, everyone, that's it for this week's issue. Thank you so much for listening and being part of the Major Spoilers experience. Thank you for everyone who's donated in the past and for everyone who's going to donate in the future and for everyone who's gone over to iTunes and given the Major Spoilers podcast some fabulous five-star reviews. We really appreciate those. The more you can put in, uh, the better that we can be in the, uh, in the rankings, which means more people listen, which means new people to talk about comics, and so many more good things. Got a question for you guys. Maybe, Matthew, you can answer that. I know Rodrigo can answer this. What's yes. better to read first, Craven's Last Hunt or Craven's First Hunt? Craven's Last Hunt. Is that the one that we should read? Yes. All right. Next week, we're taking a, back, taking a trip back to Spiderville with a review of Spider-Man Craven's Last Hunt. Why? Because we know Stephen, wait. Comics. Yes, sir. I have a question for you. Okay. And it's related to our Uncle Scrooge review. Yes. How do you make a Hortense? <laughs> I'll tell you later. Don't pay her. <laughs> I'll tell you later. <laughs> Why are we going to take a look at Spider-Man next week? Because we know that you love comics yeah, you and, love we comics and we do too. And we'll and talk we'll with see you next, next time. time. What up? If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash majorspoilers and on MySpace at myspace.com slash majorspoilers. Fat Dick's revision of Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, they kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler What a major spoiler
rich like a man of iron Might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline But would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fine be in the Middle East With a king sign throwing soldier What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah Major Spoilers. Major Spoilers Podcast. Copyright 2010. So in these last two pages, mm-hmm. it, Scrooge, Scrooge, I'm going to show you this last panel here. Right there. In these last oh. two panels, Scrooge has decided that he needs to go to this place called Duckburg. Mm-hmm. He's in his ancestral home. Everything is saved. Everything is safe. Life is wonderful. He's going to take his two sisters with him. His mother and his father say, son, we're so proud of you. Everything's well, life is wonderful. Does. Yeah, his father says, life is wonderful. So proud of you. You've saved this family name. And the next morning they get up and they're loading up the, the wagon and they turn and they wave back to the parents standing up on the balcony. Goodbye, goodbye. We'll miss you. We love you. And they go riding off. And there are the parents standing there, uh, Scrooge, or um, um, the father and the mother saying, oh, it's been so great. How can we believe that our son has come this far? He's a multimillionaire now. Everything is great. And then the uh, the ancient so character yeah, shows up and says, hey, glad to finally meet you. Everything is everything's wonderful. Yeah, Sir Quackley McDuck. So glad to finally meet you. Let's go. Mm-hmm. And the parents walk through the brick wall and we see the their bodies lying in the bed covered it's just up. the father it's just the, the father has been dead for a while oh the and mother has been dead yeah, for a while the oh, mother okay. the mother doesn't appear in oh the that's, series. Right, that's right that's and right and that's why they're like hey who's that up there with yeah, him yeah, and it's yeah. like oh it must be scotty yeah, and yeah. you see in that same panel scotty is like behind oh, that's a wall. right that's right yeah so the father has died and it's a powerful panel where you just see the body with the sunlight mm-hmm. shining on the body oh, in my. bed and it's just like holy crap yep how much oh of a shock gosh. is that to where, you know, the ghost is there, you know, his father can die because uh, his son made him proud. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that's some pretty heady stuff for a kid's comic book. That's what I was saying at the beginning of the this whole review that people need to read. If you go, go and get the second volume if it's out. Wow. Yeah. Powerful, powerful stuff. And we put I'm it actually going to see if I can download it now. Not download it. You buy it legally from our friends at Boom 